them taking top AMs, A, I think is easy pickings because those guys have to go through the corn ferry and B, the bigger threat than Dustin Johnson or Phil or Lee Westwood or Elian Poulter. If they can sustain for five years and pick off the next Colin Morikawa, the next Scotty Scheffler, then the live is a serious, serious threat. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired All right, here we are, <laughs> lighting a candle or lighting a fire pit. You, you, you tell me, but at this point, it feels like much more than just a candle that's being lit in terms of the disruption that is professional golf. The idea that Phil Mickels, I mean, it's, it's probably no surprise to everybody on this call right now, which is Alan Shipnuck, Michael Bamberger, Ryan French, Mac Barnhart, and myself, Machinella, at the Fire Pit Collective, you know, yet another fire drill in which it's not a major championship, but it certainly is major news. And I think this, this warranted a conversation and a huddle of some sort to say what exactly is about to transpire. Alan, why don't you start? Well, it's been a chaotic moment for professional golf for a while now. And, uh, you know, Phil's been at the center of this thing all along. Uh, the fact that he's going to break this exile in London at the first Saudi event is, is a monumental return to the stage. Uh, it, it always felt like he was going to jump after, after he set himself on fire um, and, and everything that transpired in his life. You know, I thought it is the best road back for him to get in the good graces of the golf fan and the golf uh, community was, was to, to pledge his fealty to the PGA tour and, and show a little contrition, but you know, Phil's a double down personality. You see it on the golf course, you see it in Vegas and he's, he's done it again. He's just putting all his chips in the middle of the table here with the Saudis. And if this thing succeeds and uh, reshapes the, the sport, I, I think Phil's you know vision of himself as this maverick and this agent of change will, will be fulfilled. But if this is a turkey and, and it goes and the whole thing falls apart in a couple of years, uh, it's, it's going to be quite a political defeat for him. So it's a wild moment. Um, you know, he's taken Ricky Fowler, a, a, a prominent agent in the sports world who's not Mac Barnhart, just said, I still think Bryson's going to go, that that's happening. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot of, all of a sudden, it, you know, there's a lot more star power aligned for this first event. It was just Dustin and, and a bunch of other guys no one really cared about. But you get Phil, you get Ricky. Who, we all know he's, he's been in the slump, but I think the casual fans still gravitate towards Ricky Fowler. You get Bryson, who again, moves the needle like a few others, like all of a sudden this looks like a little more of a, of a real thing. So huge news day. And, um, you know, it's, this is going to be the story of the summer for sure. You, you, I've heard you say this a couple of times that you thought, oh, if Phil just sort of fell on his sword and, and came back and apologized, said the right things, to the PGA tour, that he'd be welcome back. And that could be a possibility. But did you really think that he hadn't already signed enough paperwork to feel like he couldn't uh, leave the live? Well, if you make a list of the guys that you don't want to owe money to on this planet, the Saudis are near the top, right? So how, how much Phil got as an advance and whether that money's already gone, I mean, that's probably a factor in all of this. Uh, and also, you know, he's a very strident kind of self-righteous personality. And for him to kind of concede defeat and go crawling back to the tour, that was going to be tough on him personally. <laughs> 
And so um, it was always a coin flip. I felt all along he could go either way. There was compelling reasons uh, to stay or to jump. But, uh, you know, the, no one gets in bed with the Saudi except for the money. But, you know, in Phil's case, there's these, these secondary issues of wanting to be vindicated and validated and wanting to feel like maybe all this strife was was for, was not for nothing. So I'm, I'm, I'm not shocked. I'm, I'm not even that surprised. But I do think it complicates his legacy. I mean, if he wants to be Ryder Cup captain, if he wants to be in the 18th hole tower next to his buddy Jim Nance, like this makes that road back a lot tougher because, you know, he looks a bit like a, like a mercenary, like, like a morally bankrupt uh, guy who we know his true feelings about the Saudis. He told them to me, they're in print. Uh, and yet he's still taking their money. And even after acknowledging their atrocities, it, it's, uh, it's going to, it's going to be complicated, but uh, you know, I, I think, I think Phil just had to go all in. So it, it, it's going to be, he's, he's the star, he's the headliner, he's the newsmaker. I mean, this thing becomes a lot more intriguing with him over there. Michael Bamberger, what do you make of all this? Well, Alan and I have talked about this a, a lot uh, in recent months. Um, I thought for, you know, since Alan printed those co uh, comments uh, from Phil, he absolutely was going to go uh, with Live Golf. And with all credit, it, you know the line, follow the money. It's, it's not in the book. It's in the movie, all, all the president's men. Follow the money has never looked more appropriate or more insightful as a comment uh, than it does right here. Uh, after, after Phil lost all his endorsement deals, either suspended or voluntary leave from the PGA Tour, big expensive life he had to do something to make money he was out of options and um he had to do this I've, I've been saying all along he'll play all the live events he'll uh he'll double down with the saudis um he'll try to keep his name in circulation among casual uh sports fans by playing in major championships uh uh but it's really a sad state of affairs just on phil mickelson on a personal level that his private struggles were revealed in such a public way that his life has been turned upside down. And that's not a statement at all on what he told, what he told Alan. That's a statement on what he acknowledged was his own recklessness and how he got himself in this position in the first place. And just to finish this one thought, this is, the, this is total entertainment. 72 hole stroke play golf where you're guaranteed nothing and there's a 36 hole cut that's the game we all grew up on but the reason that it works is because it's great 54 hole team event guaranteed money no cut is a glorified exhibition the greatness of the major championships and i'm and i'm borrowing this idea from my friend jimmy dunn is that they are brands onto themselves and those brands and tiger understand this and phil probably understands this but doesn't care are what made them great and made them rich, both. And um, he's turning his back on all of that, and I find it pathetic. Mac, your reaction to not only what Michaels and Allen have just said, but just the, the news in general? Well, I mean, obviously we, we've talked about, you know, that Andy Ogletree who I managed, you know, got an invite to play in this week's live event. Um, not the series, but just this event, which coupled, he played in the Asian tour event last week in north of London. Um, and, you know, he'll tell you, and I'll tell you, it wasn't anything that this is no, he's not getting a big check. He's going to play in a golf tournament. You know, his goal is to find somewhere to play, and they've got the Asian tour. Um, the Asian tour's, 
you know, they get world ranking points and there's a lot of money in it. I mean, relative to, you know, he's a conditional corn ferry member and he can't get in a, can't get in a, you know, can't get in a corn ferry event. It's just, um, he's got, not got invited. So he didn't get invited to that. Um, I think it, I think this is, you know, you're exactly right in the sense of these guys, they are going for the money. Um, and look, I had another client that got offered that turn, you know, that I had to, I had to take the offer to it. I mean, I can't not. And he's like, no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm good. That was pretty much the end of the text. Um, I think Phil had nowhere. I don't think Phil had anywhere to go if, um, if he does it. I think on the flip side, um, you know, the, the players that are doing it, I think what you're going to see, I think what, if I, I heard the same rumors about Rick, Ricky and, uh, DeChambeau. I think once somebody jumped, they, um, Dustin jumped, and they didn't get tortured or shot. <laughs> I think a lot of guys started going, "I'm going to go get the money." You know, um, I, I think it's just like you know, Bam said, it's it, it's it's been it's been our lives the whole time, and the, even the tour must think something about it because that's why they did the PIP. I mean, they they're going to pay more money to keep them, which I, I think I said on an earlier podcast, I didn't think the tour has to do anything. I think the tour puts on a great product, great courses, the great thing. Um, whether this works or not, I don't think, I think the PJ tour creates most of these personalities and, you know, and along with obviously the majors. Um, but, you know, whether to work or not or what these guys, but yeah, the guys just took the money. I mean, they're just taking guaranteed pay. Is it a glorified exhibition? I mean, I mean, kind of everything is, but. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep thought. But one thing I want to say is I don't think anyone's upset at Andy Ogletree. He's just looking for a place to play. And he's been, he's had the door slammed on him a few times. Mm-hmm. You know, Phil Mickelson is fully exempt into every big tournament there is for the next five years. Like he certainly had a home on the PGA tour. Now, he would have had to earn back some of the endorsements and some of the money, which he certainly could have by spreading goodwill and, and with good play. So there's a it's an interesting dynamic that the Saudis have set up by inviting these young guys um, who who are looking for opportunity and they don't want it. They don't want to starve to death playing the, the corn fairy of Latino America. Like, I don't think and Ryan can speak to this. I don't think people are mad about that. It's it's these stars who have all the exemptions and have all the money in the bank and this is not out of necessity. This is out of choice. And even Phil saying he had nowhere else to go. I don't, I don't fully agree with that. Well, I think Phil, I mean, I don't think Phil, I always thought that Phil was going to replace, you know, well, I shouldn't say replace, but I thought he would do TV with CBS. I think he would have got some type of Romo type package to come with CBS. I really did. I thought he would be running through Arnold Palmer and, doing Penzoil commercials, driving a tractor. That's what Phil, I mean, he would have, you thought, so I thought, I don't, I, I think he could have made the money back, but I don't know how fast, because it might take a couple years of redemption parades or something. I don't know. <laughs> Ryan, I mean, to, to, to Alan's point, you covered, you cover this game where guys are going backwards, even when they finish top 10 on the Latin American tour, you know, they, they can't, they almost, it's nearly impossible uh, the odds are so stacked against them to try to make a living playing professional golf, even though they can shoot 64 on any given day, on any given golf course, any given situation. They have the talent. They just don't always have the opportunities. 
for you, what, what's your perspective where you're at when you look at a guy like Andy Ogletree versus who literally can't get a start, barely gets letters back as he's saying, hey, I won the AM. I was low AM at the Masters in 2020. Okay, give me, can I give a shot? And he's not even getting answers back. And you certainly, like Alan said, you don't, you don't see the see the issue or harm in him doing it. He's he's trying to make a living playing professional golf, but Phil is a different issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, I said to uh, you know a few players today actually is no one's mad at Chase Kepka, no one's mad at Andy Ogletree, no one's mad at Henry Duplass from you know from South Africa. And honestly, if you think about like Richard Bland, no one's really mad at Richard Bland. The guy played forever on the European tour, bounced back and forth from the challenge tour, the whatever. And now he's getting a payday, like kind of no one's mad, but especially the young guys. I mean, Andy doesn't have a place to play. Chase Kepka, Yes. I know he's Brooks brother, but I know Chase on a, on a personal level. He saves money all the time, flies into different airports, drives the smallest rental car, does all the things that a lot of mini tour players got get, if he's getting money from Brooks, he sure is, is hiding it well. So I know he gets opportunities, but he's trying to survive. So he's going over there, whether Brooks is part of the deal or whatever is irrelevant. Brooks, I mean, Chase is looking out for his own career. Andy's looking out for his own career. If Andy or Chase play well and make a million and a half dollars, that extends his career for the X amount of years. Yeah. And that that's what a lot of these guys as I cover all the time, money ends their careers. Mac knows it better than I do. Yeah. Money ends and they quickly forget that Andy Ogletree is a USAM champion. Like that like golf is a fast moving train and you don't take advantage of those early exemptions, they're gonna leave you behind. Talk to some friends of James Piat, the this year's USAM who's going over there and through the friends are like Hey man, you know, he's getting money. It, it's play on the corn Ferry tour where you can win. If you win a corn Ferry event, you get $113,000. You finish dead last at the live event. You get 120 plus James is getting some upfront money, a good amount. Like who wouldn't take it? I thought he was and staying amateur. I, yeah. But the, it falls under the NIL. Uh, oh, the man. money is NIL. upfront. Yeah. 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 So, and and I think, and Alan and I and all of us talked about it uh, before coming on. Them taking top AMs, a I think is easy pickings because those guys have to go through the corn ferry, and b the bigger threat than Dustin Johnson or Phil or Lee Westwood or Elian Poulter, if they can sustain for five years and pick off the next Colin Morikawa, the next. Uh, you know, whatever. Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. yeah, the next Scotty Scheffler. Then the live is a serious, serious threat. Yeah, yeah I mean, Scotty Scheffler is Scotty Scheffler because he's won multiple times on the PGA Tour and won a major championship. Like it, to say you're going to find the next Scotty Scheffler, are we really think we're going to in a 54 hole shotgun event with no cut? You really think we're going to be, uh, you know, any even the guy who wins, we're going to say, oh, he's the next Scotty Scheffler. Well, but, if, you, but if you're a young, there's going to be no superstar on the PGA Tour, right? Like Scotty Scheffler playing at the Live event means he's not on the PGA Tour. Will we know we miss him? No, but you know there's going to be 30 winners in 36 events on the PGA Tour instead of 
you know, Scotty Scheffler winning four or five times. Well, that's where these Saudi events could be exciting is if you come down the stretch and you have these young guys have a chance to win because $4 million will change their life. It's not going to change Dustin's life. I mean, he'll enjoy it and I'm sure he'll have fun blowing it. But the, um, for these guys, it is an astronomical amount of money and that will actually add some tension. And there's, you know, I think that that puts them to the test, but kind of, I will say in the whole, if you go through the whole list of the people who are playing, the name that's most intriguing to me is Taylor Gooch because he is a guy who's very young and on the upswing and he could have a very long profitable career on the PGA tour. And for him to turn his back on the tour and take this leap of faith, when you talk about if there's going to be litigation, if you have to renounce membership, all these things, he's the guy that it matters for because he's got 10 or 15 or 20 years in front of him. You know, Phil and Kevin Na and those guys, they, they can walk away and it's not really a risk. They've already made their money. They've kind of maxed out what they could do on the PGA Tour. But a guy like Gooch, like if there's going to be litigation, I would make him the defendant because he's someone who would benefit from this idea where if the whole world order changes and you can keep your tour membership and you can still play some of the Saudi events, that's what a lot of the players would love, right? They, it's the best of both worlds. And um, so I, I think he's a key guy in this. It's kind of been overlooked by the casual fan, but when you factor in the age and the world ranking, he's the most intriguing name on the whole list, I think. I mean, by the, I, behind I, the scenes, guys, there's a lot of players that want to do this. I mean, there's people silently behind the scenes that are saying they want to do it. They're 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 a scared. They're they don't want to get beat up. I mean, there's, but they want to do it. <laughs> I mean, there's they a may whole want bunch. to do. They may want to do it, but they don't know why they want to do it. They think having all that money is going to make them happy. But the, 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 the thing that made him so good at golf in the first place was the sire and Alan and I were talking to Jeff Ogilvy when we were at the, at the PGA Championship. It was wonderful. The opportunity to show off your skills to your friends. I mean, in other words, the driving force of what really makes golf golf is not guaranteed money. It's the opposite of guaranteed money. And 54 hole, no cut team events is not going to cut it. Um, now, if they can figure out through 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 uh, through the courts, basically, that there's a way to play both tours, yeah, of course, Mac, they're going to line up like crazy for the free money. But the thing that is the driving force in their life for all these guys is not money one, golf two. It's the other way around. It's golf one, money two. Yeah, but, you know, what's intriguing is that if, if you're Dustin or you're Phil, you can still play the majors. And so you still get – you still – those are the most important tournaments. We all know that there's still the, the grandest stages. There's still the most electricity. So in, in a small way, like now the USGA is, is because of the timing of this, they're obviously, they've just punted. They're going to, whoever's exempted the U S open is going to play the U S open, whether they sign up with live or not. I'm sure it'll be the same thing for the open championship. The real litmus test will be next year's masters when there's another seven or eight months for all this stuff to get sorted out and or adjudicated by the courts. Like, but if the majors just decide, you know, the governing bodies that run the majors, if they decide this is not our fight, we go off the world ranking and, you know, hey, the, Europe, the, Saudi, the Saudi event on the European tour, we've, we've acknowledged those world ranking points and that money. And, and we don't want to get involved in geopolitics and golf is golf. And if you can play the Saudi 
tour and you can play the majors. Like why wouldn't Brooks Kepka sign up for that? Because he's, his disdain for the everyday tour events has been, is well known. Like that would be a dream if you're a Brooks Kepka or if you're a big game hunter. So um, I, I think whether the majors stay on the table will also decide how many guys keep lining up for this. And, and I think, I mean, you guys can better answer this, but wouldn't you think that if the USGA and the RNA and the Masters accept these guys into the live that it says a little bit about the power that the PGA tour is losing, because as far as I know, they've gone along with suspensions and like kind of held the same thing that the PGA tour does. And if they just say, yeah, these guys from the live are in, I think it speaks a lot to, you know, the, the PGA tour has held, as you guys know better than I have the immense power. And if the USGA just says, no, we're still letting these guys in. I think it speaks to that as much as anything else. If the PGA Tour does, or if the major championships do? If the majors allow live players to come over no, I, and kind of turn their back on the PGA Tour. Ryan, I, I, I think the Masters, they'll be holding their nose all the while. There is no First off, you have people like Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson. They've got invitations for life or until they age out. But then you have people like Louis Oosthuizen, who could, of course, top four in any Open and get himself uh, you know, in, in next year's Masters. There is no way on God's green earth Augusta National is going to say you can't play because they have a list, a published list of criteria required and they're not going to they're not going to buy up their own list. They're going to lean back to what what would Bobby Jones say? But to Alan's point, you're Brooks Kepka and you're bored by the PGA Tour anyhow. And oh, you can play the four major championships. I would say, and I'm borrowing this idea as well. But it's I think it's a very valid idea. If you're so far down the road that you're just chasing the money and and you know playing these whatever kind of events on courses that are not. They're not 72 all events. They're not. They're, they're they're not championship courses as as we like to think of them. I think on some level, you folded your hand to such a degree that you'll ne- you might be able to contend just on talent alone. I don't I don't see those guys ever winning a major championship again. I can't imagine Dustin Johnson, whatever's going on in his head right now, will ever get it together just to to win a major championship. And Phil is 51. Mac. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm agree. I don't think the major championships are going to get in that fight. I said, you know, one of the one of the things behind the scenes when I'm, you know, talking, you know, the Saudi investment fund's got four hundred billion dollars in it, and somebody pretty smart guy to me says, you know, what are the odds that that for, some of that four hundred billion is lurking in major investment and in current PGA Tour sponsors? And, oh, of course. And I think. I, the, these guys are not the first people to go to Saudi Arabia to, to make a lot of money. There's been a lot of people, there's a lot of companies that have gone over there to make money. Um, so I, I think in that case, I don't think the major championships are going to get into where, you know, where the money yeah. came from, all these kind of things, right? Well, and, I mean, to put it more bluntly, how many how many Augusta National members are making money in Saudi Arabia? Half, two-thirds? You know, like, yeah, that's, that's not a fight they want. I mean, um, there, it's been there is going on for a long time. Yeah, exactly. Again, when, when you look at the European PGA Tour, it would not exist without the money from oppressive regimes. It, all their biggest purses come from China, from Saudi Arabia, from the United Arab Emirates. And so I don't think professional golf wants to start weighing in on the legitimacy of, of the money. Like, I think it just is. And it's been accepted um, but what, what the in, fans are different. Fans 
they, they can vote with their, their pocketbooks. And, yeah. uh, you know, you saw that with, uh, and again, UPS dropping Lee Westwood and, um, and Louis Tyson is interesting, but I'm sure you can still send a, you know, a box of C's candy to someone who's stationed over in Saudi Arabia through UPS. Like, are they going to stop doing business over there? Probably not. Are they going to drop these golfers and, and make this, this somewhat hollow public, uh, gesture they already have, but there, there's many layers of irony and or hypocrisy in this whole situation, and totally. um, it's where it gets. I think that that these gray areas are allowing people to operate and um, and and kind of come to terms with this whole situation. And say, well, th- there's there's a lot of examples of people making money over there. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna join the chorus. So it, it's a very complicated, very interesting situation. It, to the fact, point where Greg Norman says that Jack Nicklaus is a hypocrite for what he said and how he said it, building a golf course in Saudi Arabia and then denouncing uh, Live Golf and saying, I, I, I turned that job down. I mean, the whole thing is the, the whole thing is insane. I mean, for, been covering golf since 1995. I still can't wrap my head around the idea that Phil is going and Jack didn't go or tiger passed on a reportedly billion, you know, a billion dollar offer. I mean, guys, this is, you know, and, and the other thing is, is, and I think we can all agree that the PGA tour has overstepped their kind of control of what is deemed professional golf. And you've got these, these other tours in which players are grinding it out and not making money. And the tour is restricting how much they can make on those tours to make sure that they keep, trying to play, you know, for the PGA Tour. The craziness that is unfolding in front of us right now and for the foreseeable future as it relates to professional golf is mind-bending at a, at a, at a level that I, I, I just, every 10 minutes I'm trying to figure figure out how I feel and, and what I should think. And, and, and to that point, you know, I don't want to sound at all like an apologist for the PGA Tour because I think many weeks they've got boring tournaments with boring players on boring courses. They've 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 robbed the players of their personalities by pushing uh, all these statistics at us and actually uh, changing the very nature of the game that sort of opened up the door to this happening in the first place. So there really is nobody in a in in a white hat here. Ryan, I mean, of all the things, the PGA Tour and sort of your relationship with the tour and all, like, I mean, deep down inside me, if this wasn't so forward facing of blood money and Saudi Arabia money, I would be cheering on Live Golf so hard. I'd be like, yes, we finally got somebody to take on the, 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 the obnoxiousness of the PGA freaking tour, which is outrageously uh, out of control. Uh, Matt, Matt, it should be noted that Phil Mickelson has a registered trademark and an NFT or whatever that thing's called on the word obnoxiousness. I'm sorry, without your, without his express written permission, I don't know that this podcast can use that word. Um, uh, Mac, Mac, right? Like, I mean, you and I have had enough conversations where it's like something has got to change. And part of me, and Mickelson and I actually exchanged tweets Back going back to AT&T about Mickelson essentially saying, you know, you've got a lot of the same complaints I have. And it was like, yeah, we do. But I'm not doing it with Saudi Arabia. I mean, there, there's, there is something to be said for the idea that part of me is kind of rooting for this 
to actually be an agent of change. I, 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 I'm sorry. That's the way I feel. Well, there's, there's, you know, on one side, there's too much goth on TV. It's every week, every week, every week, the same, you know, TF on Thursday, but on the flip side, you know, there's so much, so many more good players than there were 25 years ago when they came up with the Hogan tour that turned into the Nike tour to the web.com or buy.com. Um, there isn't enough space underneath the tour. And this is what we've talked about. When they found the extra money, I was like, man, I wish they would have put that some more money in the corn ferry and built me another tournament level underneath there to get these guys playing. Uh, going back to the baseball analogy. Yeah. So absolutely. If they, there, there was just a void. I mean, again, the amount of people that would, if you put tournaments on, I mean, for an example, we did a tournament, Frederica that we helped. We did a G pro event there. It's a little mini tour event. And it was the first 36 was at C Palms and then the top 30 and Ty's got to play Frederick in the last day. And that thing filled up so fast at $1,000 or $1,200 a person. And I mean, and first prize was 12 grand and it filled up like that. I mean, so there was a, there was a need that wasn't being filled. Now it got filled from the top, but this is what I think will happen. I hope that would happen from this on the tour is that they will create more opportunities for people to play and and to survive. Well, I think it's for the casual fan who's trying to make sense of all this, the best outcome potentially is that this this lights a fire under the PGA Tour to improve its product and its presentation. You know, golf on TV is is just emerging into the 1990s maybe they're still they're i'm not sure they've even reached the 21st century but make make the the tv presentation much more modern and cooler and more access to the players more much better social media much like the tour got fat and happy because they never had competition and now they've got a huge competitor that's has a lot more money and seems a lot more motivation so if you're trying to make sense of this from a fan perspective, maybe this is a good thing. It's like um, it, it'll first, it'll first, it'll compel the PGA Tour to improve and more dynamic formats for its events, better golf courses, and you can go on down the list of ways that the tour could be more fun and more dynamic. And um, if if the the Saudi schedule evolves and you know maybe it gives us some good tournaments in the fall that. You know, it's kind of lacking on the PGA Tour. Maybe that fills a void, too. I mean, this could be a win for fans. Um, and I'm not sure if they care about the geopolitics the way we do and what it all means. But, um, you know, they like they like watching golfers play golf. And if, you know, this live event, I, I don't really even understand it, the, the team component. I think it sounds like a turkey, but maybe it'll turn out to be cool. And you give, you'll give them bonus points for trying. You know, we all, we all suffer in the TV windows when you turn on the TV on – Thursday afternoon and Tiger or whoever's already finished the round and you didn't get to watch it. Uh, you know, the shotgun start alleviates that. Everyone's on the golf course at the same time, so it'll be a different viewing experience. Um, so I don't know. It's it's This could be a win for golf fans, but uh, it's definitely going to – it's a chaotic moment. It's going to take a little time to sort out. I can't, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to watch some – I can't wait to watch Phil Mickelson – 
like get his card and he's like 13 you know the the horrible walk you have to make when you have a shotgun start and you're like where's 13 everybody's pointing at it like where's 13 oh that's four that's that's seven dustin johnson just wandering around like oh shit i don't know where the 50 is and you're just you know you've all been to a scramble we all know that there's some poor bastard who cannot find the t you know where six is yeah Right. That's so true. And the ogle tree is just like, where's seven? Where's seven? <laughs> Riding around on backs of carts, you know, making going through yeah. fairways and over tees. Yeah, where's my cart? Where do I park it? You know, <laughs> where do I park the leave? cart? Do I pick it? Can I drive in it after? Should I leave the key in it or do I take the key with me? <laughs> Brian, you have it dead to rights. And poor Andy Ogletree, he's not even in 6A. Yeah. He's in 6B. No. So he's got to yeah, wait yeah. for the other group yeah. to go. And then, yeah. the, and then the, music, the music yeah. is blaring And he's so going to have the longest walk. I mean, Chase Kepka, they're going to be like yeah, – yeah. I mean, I tweeted it out. Like, you know in golf – this was a moment that I realized I wasn't a good golfer. So I grew up in a northern Michigan town. I was always 1A in high school. And then I went to my first big junior tournament, and I grabbed the card, and they're like 13B. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm not very good. Chase Kepka's going to be like 13B. And you know? all the, all It'll the... be Andy and Chase, and they'll be like, well, you have a seven-and-a-half-mile walk out to the 13th team. And Ogletree's going to gonna try to call Mac to get directions to 13. <laughs> but it's going to be like 0114 He's going to be all, fuck it. And this kid's never used the word fuck in his life. And he's like, wow. Get me on. Get me onto the. Get me onto the Nike tour. I don't care what they call it. <laughs> By the way, you know, not to get all crazy here, but you are doubling down with Trump. You know, two of these events are are already what? Two, yeah, two events of Trump Edminster and and Trump Miami. Mm-hmm. Norman and Trump are a thing. Uh, yeah, that's true. There's a whole just, thing here. I Wait, just Mac, saw did... that uh, Simon Gidman is the architect of uh, Centurion. Simon Gidman worked with Martin Hawtrey. Martin Hawtrey built Trump uh, Aberdeen. So there's, I, you know, you, I'm sure they were around figuring out like who, what courses might have an associate's a private golf course, you know, outside of London. I don't, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I'm sure there's something along those lines. I, Mac, I was curious as to, when you said Andy gets no upfront money, and I thought, now I'm probably mixing uh, the Premier Golf League with Live Golf League, but I thought the structure was always they'd pay the big money to the team captain. The team captain then had to use that money to uh, entice or to pay out the teammates. I, I mean, how is, do you have any sense of how these teams are going to be formed and what it all means and how, why it matters? Uh, well, obviously, I've got an NDA through Andy's stuff, but the way I understand it is they have 12 team captains, and kind of like they do a pro-am draw, they have a draw where they pick their team. So I'm assuming okay. Phil will have a team and Leo will have a team. And so I think they do just like a baseball draft. They just go, all right, sure, pick, and, you, and then you back it off and, until they pick three guys. Um, Honestly, I have no, I, I had no idea about that. That could be interesting, at least for a little while. Like the poor people that are left. You oh, know, you got to televise that. That would actually be amazing. That that, and, that would but, be so great. I think, that, and I think it's like two. They should I think have it's two best room. ball or three best ball. I think it's like two best ball or three best ball for the team. So you could you could finish last, but make a birdie on your last hole to 
to you know to move your because I don't again I don't know how they do that. Mac, but, what, Mac, think, Mac, what about dead last in the uh, stroke play competition? What, what would that pay a guy? Uh, one twenty or one thirty? Yeah, one twenty. All right, well that's guaranteed yeah. money. Yeah. So but, there's, but money, the, there's, there's guaranteed the base, team money and guaranteed individual money. Yeah, yeah the, no, no the, the the team the team money is only paying like a certain yeah. top teams top three or something yeah like but they're giving it out yeah. every week i mean there's team money every yeah. single week and then yes. there's there's yeah. a, a year-long leaderboard and the, the fact that we have five people on here who follow golf pretty closely and we don't even really know how it's going to work speaks to how nutty it is and maybe how poorly they've educated the fans it's just kind of like just yeah. one more layer can we do um, a quick round table or how many events is phil going to play how many live events oh eight, eight. yeah eight. eight anybody think eight. other than eight, eight? No, I mean no, he, I he, he didn't he didn't use the words like Kevin nodded, but Phil in his statement he released they basically resigned from the PGA tour. I mean it was pretty clear. He's done. And that's a whole other podcast, probably the legal aspect. Uh, I mean, I think it's clever for these guys to re resign their tour membership because now the tour can't suspend them. It's like, hey, I'm not a I'm not a member. You, you can't touch me. And um so this, you know This is totally off the subject. Uh well not totally, but uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Sam Harrop is the guy who sings the funny songs. And he tweeted today that the last paragraph has double spaces between the the periods and the first two paragraphs have single spaces. So his surmise was that Phil added the second, the last paragraph. If you go look at the statement, it's three paragraphs. The first two paragraphs only have one space after a period. The second, the last paragraph has two spaces. So he's surmising that Phil added the last paragraph. It's Ryan, pretty interesting. That is. Ryan, you needed Sam to come up with that? I mean, that's so obvious. <laughs> Alan, Alan, can I ask you your, 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 your reading of, the, of, the, uh, of Phil's statement? What, what, did, what did you pick up on that others might not about the story behind the story? Yeah, I mean, the, the talking about the therapy, you know, that's like, that, that's such a private thing to make public. Like, if, and I guess it, it's just part of this, this is the fact that Phil's been underground through all of this, and it doesn't appear there's going to be any big apology tour. You know, there's a lot of thought. Well, before he returns to golf, he'll he'll go on Oprah and he'll do all these controlled things. I mean, he, here we are. It's Monday. He's just jetting into London, um, and he's just going to play play a golf tournament like nothing ever happened over these last four months. I think I think that's another way of him trying to get out in front of this. Is like there's a there's just like the last paragraph of his previous statement hinted at some deep stuff. I mean, I think he's, you know, he's, he's read my book now. He realizes he can survive that. He's worried about what's in Billy Walter's book. He might be worried about what else is going to come out about his life away from golf. And, and these are just sort of preemptive strikes. But, um, you know, I, I, that was the most striking thing to me because I'm not a public figure like Phil, but I, I don't know if I'd be talking about my, my therapy in, in that kind of a setting, you know, is um, it was very personal in that regard and almost felt a little um, too much so. But I think I think Phil, again, is just trying to get out in front of things. So um, that, that, that was my big takeaway. You know, there's a political rehab handbook of things to do and say. And I mean, you know, yeah, but he's there, he, do something, you know. Get yeah, and redid or something, you know. But that was, I mean, think about like Tiger's return to golf, how controlled it was. You know, the five minute interviews with a couple things and the public statement where he didn't take questions. And like, there was a whole series of things to build back up to his return. 
and you know his scandal was was more personal and more salacious but uh, and, and you know in some ways phil's phil's world has been rocked in the same fashion as tiger's and phil's like ah, i'm just gonna go play a golf tournament it's not a big deal you know i'll put i'll put out one thing on social media and um i'll be really curious if they if, if he does any q a's because he, he's not this is not the golf press this is the fleet street headline you know grabbing uh, rabid dogs of 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 the london press like so I don't know if Phil wants to step into an open mic situation there or not, but um, it would be fascinating. And uh, it, you know, of course he's gonna he's gonna fly from there right into Brookline. He said he wants to play the majors, so that means he's gonna be at the U.S. Open trying to complete this elusive career Grand Slam and all that. So like, he's gonna have to face the music at some point. But how he manages his his time in London will, will be interesting. So Phil Mickelson Phil. steps up. Phil Phil Mickelson steps up to the microphone in London, and you're in the room. Uh, Michael, what is the, what's the, Mike, back there in the back, Michael Bamberger, what, what, what question do you have for Phil Mickelson? Well, interesting question, Matt. You know, I, how do you see the, you had everything. Why wasn't it enough? It's a great question. Alan, uh, yeah, Mr. Shipnuck, row three there in the, uh, what, what, what would you like to ask? No, Shipnuck's well, back you know. Me. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, I would say to Phil, you know, you, you took these four months to reflect and to become a better man, as in your own words, you know, what did you learn about yourself? And how have you made these changes? And how have you improved? I'm very curious about that. Ryan, would you have a question? For I knew I knew it. The same fucking thing with the, the question about the design of Augusta after Jeff, Jeff Ogilvie. If two of the greatest fucking golf reporters of my time. And I, I have to follow up their fucking questions to Phil Mickelson. Ryan, Every Ryan. fucking time, man. Every time. Like just, oh, hey, let's put Ryan in the in the shooting range. Uh, we'll talk, we'll ask him about uh, Augusta's changes to Jeff no, Ogilvy. No, and then Ryan, Ryan. Michael and Alan Shipnick about what question I'd ask Phil fucking Mickelson. No, because you also have Tory Pines and the Weisskopf redo. You could revisit that old war horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ryan's question will be like, when you won that Challenge Tour event in France in 1993, how did that affect your, your playing status for the following PGA Tour season? <laughs> All right, Ryan, I'm going to give you a cheat sheet. How about something related to Bones? Bones versus Tim. Who's a better caddy? How about... You got something along oh, those lines. Yeah. See, that, that would be good. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. I have nothing to ask Phil Mickelson because Michael Bamberger and Alan Shipnick just <laughs> asked them. And I would just I, submit. I, 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 would a, I, would, I, would a, I would just ask about kind of what seemingly has been a, a dual life. Has it, has it, you know, has it been exhausting to live <laughs> These two lives Great in which question. you you're off the course doing what you're doing and on the course doing what you're doing and you've you took so much on your shoulders both on and off the course. Are you looking forward to like actually living one life? It, you know, in theory, if he's done the work, if he's done the reflection, or if he's getting on board with sort of being a better man. I mean, that would be my question. That has to be so, just like what Tiger's life was seemingly for so long that has to be so at least john daly lives one life that's got to be exhausting too but it's it's one life and it's out in front and it's 
It's telling you that Dustin Johnson lives one life. Brooks Koepka lives one life. Phil Mickelson lived two full lives simultaneously. Is he looking forward to one life? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. Is there some sort of relief from all of this being out and now he can just, like, you know, be who he who he is? Whether, whether he can do that is obviously another question. But like, Well, if you, know, if you saw that USA Today story from a couple of weeks ago and the reporter kind of tracked down Phil's mom and she said, more or less, he's the happiest I've ever seen him. And, you know, I think I think this artifice has been built up around Phil. And I think it was exhausting. And I think this has set him free in a lot of ways. He doesn't have any corporate masters anymore. He doesn't have to live up to this impossible image. And he can just play golf and cash checks and try and have some fun. And I, I think he feels unburdened, you know. And it, so I, I think there's something to all of that. Mac, in the big picture, you know, given – your role in the game of golf and, and, and different relationships you've had with people who are close to Phil or not close to Phil, like in the big scheme of things, like, is this, is he kind of the Barry Bonds of steroids in terms of like, he's the guy that is going to be the face forever for the foreseeable future of whatever is this live golf situation. And do you think it actually uh, really, you know, messes with his legacy? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't answer it, really. Um, I mean, a few people I've talked to, you know, that most people, you know, are mad that he messed up the status quo. You know, they're mad about, you know, all the things. And then, you know, the, the part of him being actually human, I think everybody knows it. He may not want to admit it. But um, does I think it all comes down now to what happens. I mean, it doesn't look like the Liv's going anywhere. The PGA Tour's now got a line drawn in the sand. There's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be a, probably a lot of lawyers making a lot of money talking about what they can and can't do. Um, so I think it'll all, it's what transpires in the next five years, you know, it's according to who's, who's right. Um, I mean, obviously, like you guys say, public sentiment, you know, can say, well, we don't want them doing this, but what do the courts really say about these guys? And that's a really interesting thing. I mean, for me, that's going to be really – because I've always been, you know – I mean, you guys, if you've seen the tour purses increase like I've seen them increase for 30, you know, for 30 years, when I had a guy that – he didn't make 100 grand one year and he kept his card. Mm-hmm. He was in 120, top 125. Um, and now you see a guy make 780000 and he loses his card. I mean, he gets wealthy. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing what they did, right? Um but they, did they? But did they have a blind spot to what was out there? Were they were they playing checkers and not chess? And this is we'll all know this, I guess, through the courts. And I think looking, you know, how history is the victors always always write history. So it'll it'll just come down to I think it'll be revisionist. It'll be looking back. People will forget the little things, and it'll just this is what happened. Did the tour was the tour right all along, or did the players have more rights than they were being told? And all that right there will come unwound with this, I think. Michael? Well, I, I, this is so low down on the list of things that as issues have arisen from this. But I would be curious to poll you guys, and I'll offer my opinion after you do. The fact that Jack Nicklaus, now I think most people know I'm a fan of Jack Nicklaus. I, I feel like I can see Jack Nicklaus in a Broadway but let's leave that aside. 
he represents really a direct line, certainly to Hogan and to Jones, and you know the straight line of of, of 20th century um, 20th century golf. The fact that Greg Norman, who was a great great player in, in his own right, but nothing on the on the, along the order of of Jack Nicklaus, would call Jack a hypocrite is so ungentlemanly and so ungracious and so outside the norm of what golf is supposed to be. And I was really struck by that. But I'd like to know, you know, your all op- opinion, to, how, how that strikes you. Well, the same way that it struck me when Phil Mickelson got up and, and, and ripped Tom Watson at, at, at the Ryder Cup table. I mean, I just, I think ungentlemanly is, is a good way of saying it. But I also, I mean, I, I don't really have, like Greg Norman, Greg Norman to me is, has been a cartoon character for so long and I've heard so many things about him. I, I just, I think what you wrote about Jack and sort of at the end of the day, you know, he's Jack Nicholas did, I, I, I was a little uh, disturbed by his relationship with Donald Trump and the, 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 what he said, but I also knew he wanted the money for a hospital, a children's hospital, you know, like I, I almost gave him like passes feeling like, well, he's of that generation. It's like, I just give him, I just, he's kind of like the way I see some of my uncles, you know, and, and, and my dad for that matter. It's like, it's just different generations. So if I'm picking between Greg Norman and Jack Nicholas, I'm picking Jack Nicholas, you know, every day. But at the end of the day, I think they're, they're all kind of in, 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 immersed and engulfed in this whole thing. That's, that's, it's just, it's a, it's a lot. It's like at the end of the day, it's still a lot of garbage in there. It's, you know, everyone's blinded by the money, but don't forget, this is for Norman. This is payback that goes back three decades. Yeah, he's been sitting on this for a long time, man. I mean, he got, he had this idea in the early 90s for this global world tour, and he got out foxed and humiliated by Tim Fincham, who stole his idea and created the World Golf Championships and created the President's Cup, and Norman was left as kind of this out on the outside looking in, and so... I know that even though Norman's taken a lot of shrapnel, for him it's worth it. It's not just about the money. This is this is about redem. It's a redemption story for him. And there's an element of that with Phil too. You know, it, they were never buddies, but they're you know Greg and Phil are kind of these kindred spirits. And the fact that they've come together at this moment to to completely blow up the professional golf landscape is fascinating. And they're both complicated guys, and they have their fans and they have their detractors and. There's some some energy there. There that you know, even the way they played the game was the same. You know, aggressive to the point of reckless. Like there's just it's how they live their life. And so, the fact that it's Greg and it's Phil just adds a whole other element to this this story for me. But you're also you're also talking about some of the biggest egos I've ever met in my life. For sure, are some of the most successful golfers I've I've, I've ever met. Jack Nicholas is one of the biggest egomaniacal people I've ever come in contact with. Uh, Greg Norman, one of the biggest giant egomaniacal human beings roaming the planet. Ask Andy Mill about what he did to his friend in getting Chris Everett to be his wife. I mean, this guy is your worst nightmare. If you're friends with Greg Norman, you don't ever invite him over to your house. He might steal your wife and your daughter. I mean, he's a lunatic. And, you know, I mean, Phil Mickelson, egomaniacal, fig jam. Tiger Woods, Eagle Minot, they don't have people who say no to them, and if they do, they're out. 
you're out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, it's an interesting point. I mean, the the biggest stars of the last 30 years, Tiger, Phil, Greg Norman, and all have been... And Jack Nicholas. Yeah. I mean, Jack is a, you know, he's been a force in the game, but just as far as contemporary players, like all of them somewhat diminished by scandal and controversy, you know, not, not Jack so much, although this late period Jack's had his own issues. So um, it's, it's a fascinating turn of events. Like, um, you know, these, the tour wants to sell these guys as perfect gentlemen, but they're, they're complicated (laughs) human beings and they do have egos and they do have appetites and uh, it's led them astray. So it, just adds a whole other layer to this, the complexity of the situation. Humans have never changed. <laughs> Humans are all the same. <laughs> I think mean, that's a good ending point right there, Mac. I mean, that, that that's, that's what this comes down to. It's human foibles. It's greed. It's desire for power, for revenge, for payback. Cause there's plenty of good golf out there to play already. Like none of this is really about golf and it's all these it's all these other you know human flaws that have created this entire situation but you know we're all voyeurs we're this is a gift from the content gods for, for those of us who write about the game <laughs> the fans are going to be watching in, in some capacity and tuned into this it's gonna it's just gonna be the story of the summer so it um, will be interesting to see if the organizations behave as though the golfers would on a golf course in other words will they keep you know, will they have the same, you know, what, you know, how you treat each other on the golf course and the things that you do? Are they going to be that good? I mean, will they take the values of the game on the course to this, I don't want to call it a fight, to this, but this, this situation? I mean, Jay Monahan threatening a lifetime ban to anyone who goes and plays a golf tournament. Like, that's hardball. I don't think, I don't think that's the gentleman, you know, he's, he's, he sees this as, as a real existential threat to the survival of the PGA Tour, and he's probably right. So, they, 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 they told us to cease and desist at the Wishbone Brawl, a tournament with, with, with Persimmon Woods. Uh, talk about an exhibition at Goat Hill Park to raise money for kids. You think the PGA Tour is... <laughs> they're not going to play nice. They, they, they play didn't nice. play nice with the Wishbone Brawl. What do you think they're going to do with the Live Tour? I mean, right. you know, <laughs> these guys, the PGA Tour is not exactly, you know, gentlemanly in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I mean, I've heard from a player that, you know, he was called into an off Jay's office and threatened pretty extensively about, <clears throat> you know, if he went there, it was going to be, it was, that was going to be it. So this is not, this is not friendly, friendly fire here. No. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we couldn't do this without the support of our sponsors. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, I, I appreciate this opportunity to get in a room full of smart people and have smart conversation about a very complex issue uh, as it relates to a game that we all love. I mean, the common denominator here is that we do love this game. We do love, I love so many different aspects of this game. And the professional game has been a, uh, it's been a mixed, uh, a, a love-hate relationship in a lot of ways the last few years as, you know, w- you know, embarking on this modern media company and bumping up into, bumping up next to or into the rights and, and control of the PGA Tour. So the idea that we're trying to go this alone without getting the 
sort of entanglement of some of the other legacy media as it's tied to the tour and and feeling at one point oh phil mickelson you know had some had some points to be made and it kind of lost its way with how he made them and in what you know what format and and platform it's uh there is there is there is something to be said for i hope that the pga tour loses some of its control over what's happening to its players to its tournament to its media partners to its brand partners because right now it feels like they're undefeated they can do whatever they want how they want to do it when they want to do it and it doesn't seem right it does seem like state-run media and it and it's uh it's nice to be able to have these conversations working for the fire pit collective and not feel like i'm going to get a call from my boss and say what in the hell did you just do? <laughs> yeah. Call Mr. Nicholas Ego Maniacal. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, he is. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's well said, Matt. I mean, everything's changing. Everything's up for grabs. It's a wild time to be in the golf media. So we're going to we're gonna see how this plays out. And um, Do y'all think the golf channel is going to – do you think the golf channel will cover the live event? I think – I don't think they'll probably cover it on – they still have Golf Central. I mean, they they can't ignore it completely as you know as a news event, but I don't think they're going to want to give it any more than the bare minimum. It's going to be one of those things that I'm very curious to find out. I mean, this is that's what I mean. <laughs> what we're about to see for the next six months is 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 uh, th- this is modern media. With, you know, big money, endless money, $400 billion. They can do whatever they want. Well, what I want to do is go get dinner. So I think we should end this podcast. Mm. I'm currently eating crackers from a gas station. So I would also like to go get dinner. <laughs> but thanks everyone who's, who's made it to this finish line. It's, it's complex you. and uh, <laughs> we're going to be covering it. My plan is to fly over to London on Thursday night and and cover this tournament from from the outside the ropes if I have to. So, Are you really? Yeah, yeah. I've been looking at flights. I would I'd go sooner, but my daughter's high school graduation parties on Thursday afternoon, so I can I can catch the last flight at San Francisco. I'll be I'll be on the the grounds at Centurion by end of play on Friday, and I'll, and I'll blow it out on Saturday and Sunday too. So in disguise or as Alan Shipnick? <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll shave my beard. No one will recognize me. We'll go as Monday Q info. You're gonna take over the Monday Q info Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah. Michael, Michael, some final thoughts. Well, you know, I think I'm I'm really taken by that hypocrite comment by Norman because it shows such a lack of gratitude to the preceding generation, and this overall thing is all about a lack of gratitude. You know, not being happy with what you have. I, Matt, what you said about the modern PGA Tour was perfect. It was word for word perfect. I mean, it, it, it is a very arrogant organization with a lot of problems, and and this is gonna this is gonna reveal a lot of them. But the and it's when and when Matt talks about human nature, I mean, I agree. Human nature fundamentally does not change, but there should be a value system in place that honors where you can honor how you got to where you are in your life. 
And the lack of that is disturbing as hell to see and, uh, and disappointing. And then just one final thought, you know, when we talk about, you know, Norman getting his redemption and Phil Mickelson getting the redemption, their redemption, if it is even that, is bought and paid for by the Saudis. By billion, and the Saudis will stop at nothing to win this thing. So when we talk about six months or, or five years, that's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I think they've got a hundred year view here to use golf, this crazy, ridiculous shepherd's game that nobody in their right mind would invent today because it's way too difficult and time consuming, to use that to recreate the image of their society without actually changing their society. Yeah, I don't think we said redemption. It's more like revenge. That's what that's yeah. what Norman's looking for, and maybe Phil at this point. But um, hey, uh, Jake said that we need to cover par par points, man. Well, so well, fire away. No, I mean, I I think we got we're we're adding sponsors. Obviously, Ryan French, you're the host of the Grind, and we got a great docu series coming out. And Alan and Michael, you're going to be doing a podcast called Need a Fourth with Jeff Ogilvy. Uh, which uh, we've already taped uh, a pilot episode of and will be coming out this fall, which I'm really looking forward to it. You guys are regular, uh, appear regularly on the fire drill, obviously the weeks of the majors and coming up out of Boston, the U.S. Open. The three of you, Ryan, Michael, Alan, and Jeff Ogilvie, will be appearing frequently throughout that week. Mac, you are going to be with Colt Nedler and Michael Sims hosting the Real Game podcast, which I'm really looking forward to as you continue to give us your insights and perspective on the real game as it relates mm. to a business perspective, avoiding the pitfalls of trying to go pro, what happens when you do go pro and you get these equipment companies wanting to change the gear that you're played for your whole life. I'm really looking forward to all of that. Um, all of this is is being brought to us by a whole bunch of, uh, of sponsors and, and supporters of what we're doing at the Fire Pit Collective. Parpoints is obviously one of them. It's a new revolutionary app that kind of changes the way we score the game. It's especially great for families, uh, people going out with kids. It's wherever you tee off from, you can actually win that amount of points. If you make par from 50 yards, you get 50 points. 100 yards, you get 100 points. If you want to go all the way back to 400 yards and make par, you'll get 400 points. Birdie, double it. It's a really cool thing, and uh, I suggest you download it and try it out. We also have Dynamic Brands and Bag Boy, who are big supporters of Fire Pit Collective. I think it's the best push cart out there. I use it when I use a push cart. I suggest you do too. And then Dormy Workshop is a new relationship we have. They've just uh, done some incredible Fire Pit Collective merchandise that we're dropping uh, this week and next. Head covers, uh, uh, goodie bags, all kinds of stuff that they've made for us. Handcrafted. These guys are based out of Canada. I've known the bishops for a long time, and now they're making products for the Fire Pit Collective. Very excited to showcase all of that. So um, those are our sponsors and partners. Boys, anything to add? Yeah, well, independent journalism needs to be supported, so we were appreciative for all of them. And uh, uh, I'm just trying to decide between Italian and, and Mexican for dinner, but um, I'll take that offline. So uh, I'm glad we did this. I, we're going to do it again. This is going to be a talking point throughout U.S. Open week when Phil probably makes his return to the stateside. And um, this is just, just going to keep going. So this is not the end of the conversation. This is really the beginning. So thanks to everyone who tuned in and, and, and to be continued. Alan, Thank safe you. travels. Safe yeah. travels, my yeah. friend. We'll see you at the live. <laughs> All right. <laughs> see you guys.
put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired 